Welcome to the Real Estate Addicts Podcast. This is episode 24 with your hosts, Mark Savatsky from Choose Boston. Dan Rubin, HRV Home. Ray Herto, HRV Homes. And joining us today is our guest. Anthony Fava, Sum Property Group. Anthony, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. Three kids at home. <laughs> Tough to make time for stuff like uh, this. It's, it's a little busy at little times, harder. but uh, I have a great wife, so uh, <laughs> I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> Do you live in the city? I uh, need them. Need them. So uh, nice. Suburban, I guess. But uh, Do you commute every day? I try to. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's not bad, you know, 30, 40 minutes, depending on the time. But um, yeah, it's, it's a good spot. Did you buy a fixer upper or did you buy someone else's product? Definitely fixer upper. Um, so it, it was kind of a master plan. It was subdividable. So I did what's called a form A subdivision, approval not required. So I can subdivide it without even getting approval from the planning board. And um, I was going to build the spec house myself. It was a single family lot, but um, I was going to build the house and sell it. But I, I figured it's probably just better off if I sell it to a local builder and just let him do his thing. So I sold it off to uh, a, a pretty well-known developer in the suburbs. And um, he did well. I did well, defrayed my cost. And um, we've done a bunch of rehabs and we're just finishing up the last rehab, which is like kind of a big um, garage expansion. So nice. um, yeah, so it's worked out pretty well. Was it catalyst development? It was not catalyst. No, I see I didn't Gene know. all over the IG. I, he, I know, I know. And I see him. He's got some nice product. He does. Um, I see him all over town. Um, I didn't know him back then. Um, it was uh, Jay Dorenzo, um, who oh, nice. at the time was doing a lot of projects in Needham. Cool. Um, so, yeah. Great. All right. You're a civil engineer. Civil engineer, that's correct. And um, did you go straight into development or did you, uh, were you on the design side for a couple of years out of school? Yeah. So, um, graduated from Northeastern in 04. Um, go Huskies. Go Huskies is right. <laughs> um, Mark's an honorary husky. Yeah, you guys going to give me a degree? <laughs> I know, right? I know. But started working in uh, like land development design back in like 04, 05, 06 when the market was doing really good and did a lot of uh, subdivision work, site plans, um, some multifamily, residential, industrial, commercial, pretty much everything across the board. Did a lot of survey work. Um, so that's what kind of where I picked up on how to do the Form A, the A&R plans, things like that. You know, did a lot with uh, wetland permitting. So um, it was a good base and I loved every aspect of it. You know, as the market started to tank, our work started to dry up because we were mostly suburban based. And, uh, and you're working for a bigger firm at this I time? I was in a smaller firm. We probably yeah. only had about, you know, 20 folks in the firm, maybe like five to seven engineers and then another like, you know, actually it was probably smaller than 20. It was probably more like 15, you know, then the rest of the guys were like surveyors and back-end people. But uh, we folded shop. I lost my job, but picked up another job pretty quickly, a bigger firm doing bigger projects, which is what I wanted to get into. I wanted to do some, some bigger, like, um, you know, multifamily 40B projects, you know. So their clients were like Hanover Companies, Avalon Bay, what is now Equity, heard of those guys yeah so they're, they're big boys and so we would do, we would do all the civil and permitting for them and at that second firm out of school i was working on a 600 unit plus more than 600 unit project in sharon it was a crazy project it never got built because of the economy but it was an unbelievable experience because i got to sit in with the developer who 
does stuff all over the, the nation and possibly the world and the architect team, all the designers. So I learned a lot from just sitting in at those meetings that we used to have at Burt Hill, which um, is now Stantec. So great experience. And um, I think that has definitely helped me out as we've gotten into development. How did you get into the development game? Like what, what was the catalyst for that? Yeah, so... What was your first project? Yeah, first project was in Southie. But before that, I had, you know, I just wanted to get into development. There was a couple of developers that we did work for my first firm. And I, I just saw that they were really the top of the food chain. You know, they called all the shots. They created, they had a vision that they wanted to see through. And I liked that. So I wanted to try to figure out a way to get into that aspect of real estate. Um, I liked the design work, you know, but, you know, I was just working for someone else, you know, so I really wanted to kind of be at the top. You know, I kind of figured, or at the time, there was a lot of condo conversions that I was seeing going on out there. You know, this was like probably 06 or 07. So I was like, all right, you know, let me just try to buy something in Dorchester, you know. And I had something under agreement. It was a train wreck of a deal. Deal fell apart. I, I tried to bribe the agent. Um, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was bad. I was, and I luckily the agent, and we still do work with this agent. He definitely knows me. He was just like, you know what? I'm just going to give you your money back. And thank God it all just kind of went away because it was really bad. But I, I met Ryan, my partner now, um, shortly thereafter. And, um, he's like, what are you doing in Dorchester? Like you have a civil engineering degree. You could go no income verification, stated income. You could get approved for like up to a million. You know, this is back in 07. So he's like, come to Southie. Let's, let's find something, buy something, you know, work on that. Ryan is running um, Sun Property Group as a traditional real estate brokerage at this time? No. So at the time, and this is how I met Ryan, we're actually brother-in-laws. So um, my girlfriend at the time, her sister was looking for a place in Southie and um, she found a place on Craigslist. And it was one of Ryan's properties that he was fixing up, you know. So the brokerage came second and, and Sun Property Group? Yeah, so. You guys do a fair amount of re- residential sales too. We correct? do, yeah. So at that time when I met Ryan, he was just working for another real estate brokerage firm. And he had, he was just kind of grinding out triple-decker rehabs. He had done a couple, you know, up to that point. This is like 07. And I met him through my sister-in-law. And we decided to do a project together. We just bought this like one triple decker on East 7th Street, right near um, the one you're doing there. And um, flipped it, made a couple bucks. It wasn't anything crazy, but kind of then got into another one and kind of kept going from there. But it was right around that time, 07-ish, that he was like, you know, I'm looking to start this firm that does property management, general contract, and maybe a little development. And, you know, at the time I was like still kind of entrenched in my civil job and I kind of liked the experience I was getting from it. I felt like I could still learn from it. I wasn't really ready to kind of just break away from it. You know, I felt like there was still a lot that I could take from that that would help me down the road. So at least in 07, I wasn't quite ready for that change just yet. Um, So anyways, Ryan started the firm, you know, in a tough time, but actually hit the market well for property management because there were a lot of people that couldn't sell their property so they had to turn and they wanted to move on. Either they had a new job opportunity or they just had to move somewhere else. Um, so he built a pretty good management portfolio because of that influx of, of clients looking for a manager at that you know, time of the, the market. You know? So that's, that's kind of how some property groups started. So they did a little bit of brokering at that time in 07, 08. So fast forward to current, you said that you guys had started out to do property management, uh, residential sales development, and general contracting. 
Do you guys, is that pretty much the business model now? So it's definitely evolved. You know, like once I got in there, so I kind of joined up with him full time in 2012. So about seven years ago. And at that time, the goal was to, to expand property management, to do some general contracting here and there, and to do some, a lot more brokerage work. You know, we, at, you know, we had brokered some, some decent deals, multifamilies. We brokered a, a development deal, a couple of development deals. So that was kind of our MO, but at, you finally realized that, you know, we should be developing. And I did a project in, in Somerville by myself in like 13, and it did really well. And then from that point on, it was just like, all right, well, why are we trying to spin off development deals? We should just be doing this ourselves. So we kind of refocused the brokerage. The brokerage kind of took a back seat in a way. And we focused on our own, you know, any, any sort of marketing we did, we just kind of kept it for ourselves and tried to find deals that way. But we still kept the property management division going and we're still bringing in clients there. Do you like the property management side of things? Um, it's, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's kind of brutal. It's pretty brutal. But we, we have a pretty good staff that helps us out. You know, we have like five property managers now, you know, and some handymen. And so, you know, we're, at this point, we're probably managing like 800 units, you know, and um, there's days where we're like, is this really worth it? But I think it, it definitely, we have a lot of good resources at our disposal. So, and part of the reason that I wanted to make the change in 2012 from the civil job is I wanted to have a broad base, you know, like I feel like we're, we kind of have our toes in all the different facets of real estate, you know, like we're focused mostly on development, but if the market changes and something happens where we can't develop, we could pivot and just focus on property management. If we wanted to, we could, you know, decide, oh, we'll just GC for others, you know, and, and focus on that aspect where we just go back to brokering. So I kind of like that. I don't want to really give it up, but you know, there's definitely days where it's like, is it worth, is it really worth it? But we, we definitely do well with it. And we're a very good property management firm. We serve our clients very well, you know, and I think that the experience that I have in engineering and what Ryan has in business, as well as the rest of our staff, you're not going to get that kind of background with other firms, you know? So, um, I imagine it helps even out the cash flows too, because as a developer, those peaks and valleys are very high and very low. And, um, they're far between. So that kind of steady stream of income. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we have a, a pretty good business model. So that kind of opens the doors with, you know, lenders as well. They look and see, oh, you know, you've got this, this kind of consistent cash flow every month with your management business and your general contracting business. Are you guys personally guaranteeing loans? Yeah. Yeah, you still do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. I do too. I don't know why I phrased it like that. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, <laughs> we do too. We talked yeah, to someone a few weeks ago who told us offline that they have never personally guaranteed a loan. Wow, it's just my hair how, flew back. How did they do that? I don't know. Maybe, I'm just, I guess we're not that. Uh, yeah, I mean, no. one, pay a little more for it. Oh, I see. But, but yeah. two, there's probably assets to the company. You know, it's probably not signing as each one-off entity. Do you have a uh, rental portfolio as well? We do, Yeah. We've got a few properties. Um, Brian's got a few condos himself and a, and a triple decker that he owns himself. And then I've got like one condo and I'm buying a triple decker myself. But we also have, you know, we've got like a four family, a four family, a six family, a three family, and then a, like Cape Cod rental. So nice. okay. it's something, you know, nothing. Do you major. Airbnb the Cape Cod rental? It's getting tough now with all the yeah the taxes that have crept in. You know, it's going to really start to squash our 
numbers there a little bit. But we'll well, see that and the regulations too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they haven't taken hold of the Cape yet, but certainly the city of Boston is looking very closely at Tough. it. I think you will be featured on World's Dumbest Criminal to try to Airbnb something in Boston soon. It's like, here's my crime. I'm going to post it where anyone can search for it and find it straight right. on the internet. Well, they're going to remove the Airbnb settled yeah. with Boston like two weeks oh, ago. And so they're going to actually provide data back and forth. So if you're posting something in Boston and the city of Boston can notify Airbnb, Airbnb will just take the listing down. Wow. So, well, geez. Yeah. I mean, there's, it seems like you can, there's only a very few instances where you can actually like legally Airbnb your like rental. You have to um, live in the unit. Right. Yep. And, or the um, building. In the, in the building or the it, property. I think it's a limited number of units though. I think it's two family or less. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to say you can't live in like a 10 unit building and then Airbnb. Oh, or occupy 10 unit building. No, Ray's shaking his head from New Hampshire. <laughs> Yeah, raise on Skype. Twenty eight days or less is the yeah. other. I think. Oh, I think it's, it? oh, there's a limit to the, how many times you can yeah, do it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but um, I mean, I think it makes sense from a political standpoint. If you're an elected official and you're thinking of who votes for city council, it's not the tourists coming into the city, and you can make a rational argument that those tourists drive the economy and that giving them places to stay is is good for everyone. But I just think that the typical voter sees their rents going up and housing affordability becoming. More difficult. Well, and would you rather think Airbnb is a? Would you rather rent a three-family building, or would you rather have Marriott come in and build a hundred and fifty million dollar hotel? You know, there you go. Well, I, I think a lot of people would answer the the latter. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We we digress a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly an interesting time. So I had a quick question, and yes, I am, I am skyping remotely today. So uh, because sorry for any. Any issues yeah, there. what's the reason? Yeah, who are you? Who are you oh, holding? What's the reason? Uh, just had a kid. That's all. My wife uh, had. We had our second baby, baby girl. So yeah, we're celebrating right now and enjoying the moment. So I'll see you guys. I'll be back in the uh, the studio next week. You look tired. <laughs> you look tired, right? Uh, yeah, I'm probably a little tired. <laughs> You, you, you got to get used to the whole, oh, they're awake all night again, and we're trying to get her off that cycle. But Tell her you're great. trying she's, to sleep. She's awesome. Tell her you're trying to sleep. What it is says, it? I said, tell her you're trying to sleep. Oh. It says the guy with no kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just put her in the closet, and we use some of the leftover acoustical panels from the studio so we don't hear <laughs> It's good parenting. She's rock, rock wool the whole closet. Yeah, you're right. good to go. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Note, note to self. <laughs> So what's your so question? I had a quick question. How did you go from where you started, where you mentioned that you started, you know, single triple decker and that sort of thing to kind of where you are today? What was that next leap? Because honestly, Dan and I are kind of looking to make that leap as well ourselves, And we're just kind of curious. Did you go right to six units? Did you buy approved plans? Did you develop something on your own kind of How'd you make that jump and, and what was it like? Yeah, I don't think, well, I'll just say this. I don't think we've done anything too huge. Um, you know, the biggest thing that we've permitted to date is, is probably eight units. So, you know, I think early on it was just like triple decker rehabs. But the first one we did was, um, that was ground up, was on Mercer Street. We did six units there. And, um, you know, it, it was, I don't know, it, it definitely was a learning experience. You know, it was a little bit of a challenging site because it had like a full story drop off, but that kind of, kind of was right in my wheelhouse with the whole 
civil engineering aspect, you know, I have a good handle on grading and things like that. So um, we figured out the parking pretty easily and was able to come up with a design that suited the neighborhood, you know, and then from there, it's just like anything else. Now, I will say this, we, we brought in a construction project manager to help us out on, on our the first two bigger projects. So in 2015, we did Mercer Street, 25 Mercer, and then we also started 40 Pittman Street in Somerville. Those two projects were kind of running simultaneously, and our project manager that we had that we brought in at the time really helped us to kind of get off the ground. You know, like I had a pretty good handle of some of the, you know, one of the bigger thing, the bigger differences with these types of projects is the site work aspect. You know, you don't deal with that really with the rehab. So I had a good handle on who to use, but you know, just kind of getting it off the ground was obviously the challenge. So this project manager was really helpful. Um, and, and pushing things forward. So, so that was key, you know, and then once you do a couple, then you kind of, you know, you know what you're doing and kind of just keep kinda it going. Rinse and repeat. Pretty much. Yeah. I'm always looking to get into something more challenging too. You know, I don't think the eight unit project projects that we're working on now are that much more challenging than, you know, so anything else we've done, you know, it's the same kind of four story stick build, some steel, some grading challenges, you know, things like that, but we can, We've got that all kind of figured out. Interesting challenge you guys overcame at um, the wedge, so named because it has a very unique lot shape that doesn't often make for great units, but you guys resolved that very well, and all the units are sold, and the building looks beautiful. Thank you very much. I uh, wouldn't have called it the wedge just to give you so, some shit. Uh, look, I, I feel like that was like extenuating the. Uh, I know. Well, I so that was all roadie and. Props to Rody really for the design. You know, we knew we had a challenging site. We knew we needed kind of a striking design for that location. And while we kind of figured the concept out ourselves, you know, in terms of making sure the parking would fit, making sure we got square footage massing that we needed to hit numbers, they're the ones who kind of massage it all together, you know? So definitely helps when you have a good architect like that. They came up with the name, The, the Wedge. So... <laughs> You know, I just was like, okay, cool. We'll run with it. And um, I think it stuck pretty well, but. It's memorable. Yeah, that's the thing. It so. is. How often are you on the job sites? So really don't want to be on the job sites too much. You know, at this point, we have two project managers. Um, you know, they're kind of running the show. You don't want to be stepping on toes too much or getting the subs crossed up too much either. So I try to just stay in the background a little bit, but I, you know, the wedge is needed a little more a little bit more attention just because it's somewhat challenging. Um, there were some issues with the framing, definitely some issues with fire separation between units. So I had to get involved a little bit more on technical things like that. And then as we move into the finished stages, you know, just making sure the QAQC is there. So the goal is to obviously not be on site as much. That's why we brought in these um, project managers, you know, to kind of ease our workload and help us focus on bigger picture items like finding deals, assessing deals, and growing the business in other ways. What's the latest on your electric services for those few buildings we were chatting about earlier this week? Yeah, so actually I did circle back with um, that one contact you gave me. I actually had his name in my Rolodex. If I meet someone helpful from a utility company, I immediately save their name and number. It's just like hundred percent. Yeah. They, they may make a mistake one day and they copy like all these people and I just like yeah. scoop up all those email addresses. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's definitely the way to go. I think his name was Chris. So I ended up talking with him and, um, he said, what's your drop dead day? I was like, you know, 
Two weeks sooner than now. Two weeks from now. Tomorrow. Um, yeah. So e- either way, he's going to help us out. And um, we, we should be in good shape. Actually, National Grid won't be the problem at any of these sites. We're already kind of like in the queue. So we lucked out with National Grid. What's your anticipated completion for the wedge? Or how long did it take you to? It took longer than expected. When we started, we were waiting for another construction or next door was another developer building three units, four units actually. And um, we were waiting for him to demolish so we could not have to do some shoring. So we kind of waited a few months for that to kind of get rolling. And then foundation was tricky there. So it's, it's, it's going to take probably like, probably like 18 months, you know, to, to get it all done. It's not crazy. It's a, it's a complicated build, but I'm sure you would have yeah. liked to have done it in 12 to 14. Yeah. I think we could have done it in like 12 to 14, but I, yeah, it's, um, the, the site work was definitely challenging. There's no place to lay down over there. You know what I mean? So we have like a seven foot like strip or not even a strip. It's just like a seven by seven triangular area. So that was tough. I think I saw you guys had a bunch of bricks on top of your dumpster. Like the dumpster was permanent to sit where it was and you were using it almost as a staging area with planks across the top. I thought that was creative. Yeah, that was one of the PMs uh, had that idea. So we have two dumpsters on site. One is storing materials like bricks, some siding that we need still. And the other one's like a dumpster. So that's the best we can do there, you know? How many projects do you got going on at, at, at once? Under construction right now, we've got four, but we're probably going to start up two more pretty soon. We're just waiting to kind of finalize a few things. So, so do you divide your PMs, you know, two, one PM gets two and the other PM gets two? Yeah, pretty much. I might actually have to step in on one of these to get it off the ground, you know, with the site work. But um, as we kind of wrap up, you know, Old Colony or something and another project that we're building for a client, which we don't do that often, but that one's going to wrap up in any, you know, a couple weeks. So you guys just broke ground on a house in South Boston on Farragut road. This was a legendary party house, right? It was indoor pool, indoor pool. That's right. It Um, was a foreclosure back in 2007 and Ryan bought it as, um, you know, just kind of something he was going to flip. It was amazing because it's one of these things where it was like a 15-bedroom or 10-bedroom single family, and it was constantly rented to a bunch of kids fresh out of school. You could have put Greek letters over the front door. Yeah. I, I mean, I lived in Southie for a few years out of school, and this house was known. How many times were you there? <laughs> I'm going to start asking you guys college. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, it so, was. So how did, the, how did the neighborhood actually react to that? Um, well, um, so... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much I can say here, but we had to deal with demo delay kind of like what you guys had to deal with at M Street. M, M Street, yeah. And that's when people were worked up and we were also green belt protection overlay district. So we had to kind of go through all that. But once we were through all that, we were good, good to go. So, you know, we're kind of... Because it was otherwise as of right. It was an MFR project. Yeah, yeah. you had no variances. Correct. Correct. Um, which is pretty awesome. Those it are very rare. Very rare. Very rare. Yeah. And they're going to become more rare considering the, the changes that they're proposing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen those, but... Well, I, I've seen the highlights. Yeah. Were, were any of you guys at the meeting at Tynan? Or? Were you? No, I didn't want to go there. Some I know some guys that were there. Oh, really? Yeah. What did they say? It was a disaster. So... They didn't want, do they like the changes? Because the changes are very- No, they hated the changes. Oh, they didn't? They hated it. Well, I, that- well the, the community loves the changes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so what I, I know say. some people that, from like developers oh. that were there. There's no, I mean, what can you develop at this point? Nothing. 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 You can't do anything. And we don't know what's going to happen based on everything else that's going on. 
right in within the yeah big news in the city, city of boston oh yeah with the oh, yeah it, it was dropping there it'll be really interesting to see what happens we'd be remiss not to mention it i mean yeah um big shake big things going on and uh it's a, it's a question as to whether the city can continue to use variances as the de facto standard practice for looking at each project individually and granting approvals or not. Or otherwise, do you provide realistic zoning? And, um, and then everything, you either and, fall within it or you don't. Yeah, but, but you can't. What's scary is to look at, I mean, if South Boston in Article 68 is an example, it's been an ongoing process for a fair amount of time and as current that zoning study is just they want reco- it's they just, just recommendations well they want to throw it out even, yeah and now we're so it's it's challenging it is challenging i i personally would rather just see the zoning a fixed zoning code in place and you know that way you know what you can do and you try to you know work around it you know make it make it work so i i don't know i we go back and forth on that right because you mark's taught said that he almost prefers the variance route because it kind of gives you that flexibility to build things and other that other you otherwise might not have been able to do under a fixed zoning code so i mean i guess you can go back and forth you could yeah um yeah i hear what you're saying i think with the issues that we've had lately it's just it's going to become more and more of a problem and we've been trying to permit some things in east boston kind of on the far extents of it and it's very, very challenging. They don't want to see anything out there. In or, East Boston, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Orient Heights area. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't, I don't know. I mean, Southeast really wound up, but East Orient Heights is like almost at that level too, you know? So I don't know. It's definitely a more low density neighborhood though, you know? So I could kind of see what they're saying, but you're trying to balance things out. You know, you're trying to create housing which is desperately needed. I don't know where else you're going to turn. It, you know, I was just thinking today is really what the city is going to decide. I wonder if they're going to decide that they're just going to have these super high density neighborhoods, like just strips like, you know, Dot Ave or, or you know, Seaport or whatever, or, or um, Suffolk Downs and just have all the housing there. And then in those small neighborhoods, you know, nothing. I'm also interested in why there's so much emphasis placed on direct abutters. Like, I understand to some degree, but it's at some level, I feel as though like, well, what is in the best interest of the whole block or of the whole neighborhood or of the whole city? It's like, you know, um, we need housing, housing costs are going through the roof and our knee jerk reaction can't be put a moratorium on building. And so, I mean, New York is, New York's like that. I mean, you could, and I know we're not New York, but you know, you could buy uh, an apartment in New York and it could have a beautiful view. And then three years later, you could have a hundred story building right next to you that destroys your view. I mean, that's the nature of living in a metropolitan city that's growing and that, you know, you can't, you can't, the footprint is the footprint and you can't go out anymore. You can only go up. Well, hey, we're, we're treading on some dangerous yeah. <laughs> topics here. Let's go back to a little safer. Uh, where do you guys usually land in terms of price per square foot when you're GCing stuff yourself? Yeah, so we're definitely trending north of 200 per square foot now. And that's not really even getting into our project manager costs, you know, our overhead, which, you know, is somewhat defrayed by our, you know, other business ventures with uh, property management, 
property management and, and the brokerage and the thing. So definitely pushing up to 210, 215 a square foot, probably going to be looking at closer to 225 a square foot at the wedge. Could be looking at higher at like, say, P Street, where we have a full elevator and some crazy structural there. But um, yeah, I mean, what are you guys looking at? Like, what are you, what are you guys at? I usually pro put it when I underwrite uh, 220 a foot. If it's a bigger deal and I can realize some economies of scale, maybe 210 or 200, but I like to try to be conservative and then hopefully beat it. I mean, as recently as two years ago, I was building for uh, 185, 190 a foot, which existed past tense. Yeah, I know. We did we did a six-family rental on Woodward Street and we were probably at about 185 a square foot. And we looked back and the numbers were shocked that we were able to do that. But that was probably like, you know, three years ago at this point. So Ray, where are we at? We're we're also we're north of two hundred a foot. Uh, it depends on the project and the square footage totals, but it can be anywhere from two to two fifty. It depends on depends on what we're doing and the level of finishes, that sort of thing. A topic someone wrote in and asked us about was yeah. uh, the gas nat- natural gas strike that hit Boston this past year. It was a lockout. Lockout, correct. How did you guys fare through that? Did that affect you? Well, we, we lucked out. I think we lucked out because we weren't really building anything at the time. We had finished up Spring Street in Somerville. It was just two units, and that's Eversource over there for gas. So um, they're actually a dream, their gas department over there in Somerville. I think I may have been the second uh, propane permanent project <laughs> in the city. I was doing something in East Boston. Yeah, yeah no, I, I recall this. That's, that's we might have been the third. Yeah. Oh, at Rose oh that's yeah, right. We yeah, were all collaborating and going oh, in every single day. But um, it, was pretty, it was pretty crazy. I mean, you talk about the unknown unknowns sometimes. I mean, how could you possibly underwrite that risk? Working in a major city that you will have a fully completed project that can't get energy to heat the home or the domestic hot water. So you're going to sit on finished product. I mean, that could bankrupt people the, the for how long. The propane company we, we used was like, you know, he's like, we can, we'll apply for this, but he's like, the city is literally changing the rules on this almost daily. And he's like, I could submit this. And then tomorrow they could ask for five more things because they change because of all the influx of propane permits that they just received. Like they couldn't, they couldn't handle it. Right. They probably never do it. No. So did you, how long did it take to get your propane tanks approved? My propane tanks took probably 60 days. I think I was in to the fire department every single morning. I just made my face known, made friends. And, you know, God bless uh, a couple of the staff members there. One woman in particular was so helpful, would call me with updates, tell me what's happening. Uh, Cause they had an interim policy where they were reviewing it and they were good enough to offer you a draft of that. And I happened to have enough land and enough setbacks that I could get 500 gallons of propane to sit in my outdoor parking area and forego those spots temporarily. I put concrete filled bollards to protect the tanks. Um, we installed them and, um, yeah, the plumbing inspector blessed them, the building inspector, and then ultimately the chief uh, for fire prevention, Chief Keeley, who I can't say enough good things about. Yeah, he's, he's um, a really good really guy. Really was so helpful. Wanted to make sure everything was done right and all the good things, and but understood the predicament we were in as builders. And, um, you know, we got our permits and it worked out. That's so lucky. I mean, what else would you have done? I mean, it's just insane how that could cripple so many projects. I know of other guys that were totally well, the bigger. Screwed. The bigger projects are just screwed. Oh yeah, I mean a, a project like one Dalton 
Oh my well, God. They just yeah. had to get gigantic rental equipment and have it run all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, I can't even imagine. It's one of these weird things where we it was. Actually, uh, yeah. Yeah. We actually just finished deconverting from one of our projects that we had to do. So. Oh, finally done with that. Yeah. I did the deconversion for seven units while they were occupied. That was stressful. So did we. Yeah. Cause yeah. when we, when you take them down, you know, no hot water, no cooking, no heating. Um, so you have to make sure everything goes like clockwork once you take those offline. Yeah. We finally have our driveway contractor yeah. coming back next week to remove the bollards. Yeah. And, and who else patch. was excellent was national grid. I couldn't believe how on time they were and helpful during that deconversion process. Cause they had to play a key role in getting. There's so many that, that day that you're deconverting, you have to line up so many people. Ray handled that process. God bless him. But <laughs> <laughs> that was a typical example of if, if stuff goes exactly right, no one will ever say thank you. But if you screwed up that process and your buyers were without hot water for three days, you would, you know, they. Oh yeah. That's a nightmare, you man. Yeah. Props to you guys for yeah. making it happen. <laughs> so where, where do you, I guess, where do you see Sun Properties going? Um, I guess, where do you see the market? We try to, I mean, we ask that almost all of our guests, but where do you see the market? Where, you know, what's your kind of five-year outlook? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a little bullish on the market still. I just think Boston has a unique job situation. I think um, just because of all the institutions here, there's, just in our own business, we've had a hard time finding good help. So the job market's extremely tight. And I think that's why you see a lot of companies, tech companies, they're all here. Um, they want to extract those best graduates as quickly as possible. So they want to be at the source. Boston's got to have one of the best college scenes around. So I think that's the catalyst for what's driving this market. You know, And I don't know if even if there's a a downturn in the stock market or whatever, I think Boston might be insulated from all that. So I'm bullish on that um, in terms of where we're trying to head. You know, I think we're trying to get into some bigger projects. You know, we're trying to get into maybe like a 20 or 30 unit project. We have something that we're going to try for in Brighton, but, you know, you never know. And just looking to generally grow the business, you know, see, I'd like to keep getting bigger and, and expanding what we do. But, you know, I guess we may get to a point where we might just say, Let's get a good system in place, put it on cruise control, and just see how it goes, you know? First question, overrated, underrated, appropriately rated? Engineered hardwood floors, pre-finished engineered. I guess appropriately rated. I mean, there's certain situations where you just got to kind of go with them. You know what I mean? We were talking a little bit earlier, you mentioned Jipcrete. You know, if you have that situation, I think that's definitely the way you got to go. You know, we're going to be using them at the, uh, at the wedge, you know, so appropriately rated. Yeah. I mean, protect them well during construction. That's, yeah. That's the thing. You got to be very careful. But, um, you know, one thing that bears mentioning is usually there's a wear layer on these things that's sufficient enough that you could sand it down and change the color entirely. So it isn't the case that uh, if you get a scratch, you're completely dead in the wall or, you know, or you can surgically replace one board, which is sometimes Absolutely. nice. White shaker cabinets. I think there might be getting to the point of overrated. You know, I, they're just so, they're everywhere. And, um, you, you know, Instagram designers are like, oh, seeing the wood tones again. And I don't know. I, I'll, I'm interested to see how it plays out, but I, I could see that starting to go overrated a little bit. I don't know. What do you guys think? White shaker cabinets? I think they are uh, appropriately rated. Yeah, I agree. Sorry. 
No. Uh, I guess we'll keep going on the finishes. Uh, how about the right. uh, brushed brass? That sort of look, the gold brushed brass look. Mixed metals. <laughs> oh, shit. Overrated. <laughs> I hate that stuff. Roof decks. Appropriately rated. I think there's... They're, they're pretty awesome. You know, you just, some of the views you get, especially in, in if you're on a four-story building, the views are, are awesome. They pay for themselves all day. They're expensive yeah. to build. They are, yeah. I did a quick forensics on one recently. I think my cost to build was 30 grand, but. Do you see any, so we did a project where we actually didn't build the structure. We just had the roof uh, structure yeah. built, you know, we made it more robust and we just did like a tile on top. Definitely the way to go, right? Yeah. What do you use for railings? We had a parapet, 42 inch tall. Or you can put sleepers in and, and do and just fasten your railings uh, straight down to blocking. Um, Hardy. Hardy? Lap siding. Lap Hardy. siding. Uh, I think it's underrated. I'm sorry. I, I like the baked in color. Baked in color, obviously. Not painting. Fine. I'm not sorry. I'm not painting that. I know some builders out there are like, oh, we got to paint it. Um, I like the baked in, you know, and I think it's uh, underrated. I like it a lot. What do you guys say? Underrated. Really? I think you have to use it creatively and be, oh, yeah. be interesting with it. It can't just be a box. It, it, it lends itself to poor design. True. Yeah. So like kind of at the wedge, you know, we did some different layering there. We did the mitered edges. We did the woven edges. Did you use the artisan for that? We did. There's some areas that turned out well. There's others that didn't turn out as well as I'd hoped. But I would, I don't know if I would use that again, but I would definitely um, weave the regular lap siding again. I think that's kind of a cool look. And you don't see it a ton. Did you do it on the backside of your cottage building? I use a product um, with these metal edges yeah. that gives it the appearance of a woven edge. Yeah. Name escapes me, but all right. Next, we're doing it at Emmett right now. Yeah. Are you, looks, are you using artisan? Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's pretty cool. It's it's a it's it's a good product. Like I couldn't believe the thickness yeah, of it. Yeah. It's so thick. Yeah. It's so. It's thick. a serious product. Yeah. It is. Did you get color? Oh, you can't get that in color baked. It can you? You can. Oh, you can? Yeah. We, I thought we, they changed that. We I went primed because of the lead time. Yep. But, you know, and we, we kind of wanted to do a little custom coloring there. So how about on more of the property management side, like uh, property management software and that sort of thing, uh, automating that? Well, it's appropriately rated um, because you have to have it. You know, I think we could never manage property without it. We use a property management soft, software called Rent Manager. Not a lot of people use it, but it is... It has the most features by far of anything out there. Anything you want to do can be done. They can code it to do things if you need to, if you want to pay for it. And we use it not only for property management, for all of our GC bookkeeping. We, we basically, every invoice is scanned into our system. We have it. We can pull up P&Ls at any moment. So, How do you get the tenants that are a little more old school and they, you know, they either deal with cash or they run a write a check? How do you get them on board? I know this is an old we don't have a lot of those tenants. Um, we told everyone we require online payment through our website. And I think we prob of our tenancy, we probably have three to 400 units that are rentals and we probably only get a handful of checks. Now, right now is, you know, just cause we're just after September 1st, we're, we, people don't know the drill yet. So we're probably getting a lot of checks, but we'll work them. By, by uh, this, the beginning of the year, 2020, they'll probably all be, or close to all be paying online. Northeastern University co-op program. Underrated. Everyone needs to have a co-op. Zoning content. Oh, I thought we were all doing it. Yeah, let's one. all do the last one. 
<laughs> Zoning contingent deals. I'd say appropriately ready. Just you have to do them. I, I anyone who's buying it at, just as is and going to wing it. Like you're you're either a noob or I don't know what you're thinking. Or you're confusing being good and being lucky. Yeah. Because I think a lot of guys scale through the process two or three times and think they're really good, and then they get. Right. You you have no idea who you're going to run into. You have no idea. And I mean, look, you said, I think uh, on another podcast where, you know, if you have an underlying as of right option there, okay, then, and the numbers work fine, but that's pretty rare around here Agreed. in the urban area. Amen. Right. Last one. Last, last one. Uh, Skype. <laughs> Underrated, man. The quality on this is, you know. <laughs> It's bonkers. Ray's just looking for excuses not to commute into uh, Boston That's from right. New Hampshire. Are you, oh, you're a New Hampshire guy. No, have you, done, have you done Skype sessions with any of your project managers or video chatting, that sort of thing? Do you uh, find that helps out? I haven't. FaceTime? Yeah. I, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, I'm usually in the area, so I can hop over and check it out. But um, maybe we, we would. I Skype all the time with my folks, so. I put a Wi-Fi camera on my job site. I saw that. Yeah. And uh, it was so helpful. We, we were thinking about doing that, actually. Yeah. I've gotten more questions about that. I should do like a little tutorial. You should. You, oh, you should definitely like do an IG what, tutorial. What did you use? How much did it cost? Yeah. Uh, but honestly, many times my plumber would call or someone and I wasn't on site and say, walk to the camera and bring the plans. <laughs> and we'd talk and I'd say, no, point to the top of the page over the... And it was very yeah. helpful. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah nice. I, so did it have like... Um, so it was Wi-Fi and then you used yeah. a um, hotspot? It had a solar, um, it doesn't need a hotspot. It's, it's like 3G. Oh, right, right. Okay. And, uh, so it has a SIM built in, yeah. SIM card. And the battery had a little solar panel. Oh, yeah. So every 30 days, I'd swap out the battery for a new one, and uh, the world's good. That's such a good idea. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, Anthony, thank you so much again. Wow, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah it was this fun. great. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. How can folks find you and Sun Property Group if uh, they're <laughs> looking to follow the progress? Um, definitely on IG. Sun. P-R-O-P-R-T-Y, no E, group. And uh, that's on Twitter too, though. We just kind of repost everything on Twitter. Um, but uh, yeah, check us out. And uh, we got some units coming up on Farragut Road. We'll have some units on Preble. We'll have some units on Porter Street in East Boston. So those are all for sale units. And uh, if you need a property manager, we're one of the best. So hook us up. Nice. 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 Awesome. Hey, thanks for listening. Thank for you reviewing. very much. Yeah. And mostly for sharing. Guys, thank you, everyone out there. Talk and, uh, to you on the next one. Cheers. Later. Thanks. All right.